We have been uh, on the issue of uh, spiritual assault on the Christian because in the standing battle that we have with Satan, the enemy of our souls, we're implored by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians to stand upon the truth of God and to stand firm and stand firm in, in, in the power and the strength of the Almighty in order that we may be able to stand in the day of trial, in the day of um, battle. And believe me, uh, for a Christian, every day is a day of battle. So Paul says to us, we are to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we're to put on the full armor of God. So that we can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces in, of evil in, in, heaven, in the heavenly realms. So we're implored to therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we may be able to stand our ground and after we have done everything to stand. We must keep standing. There can be no sitting or complacency for the believer in this present world. We are in a battle. And that battle is going to last all the days of our lives. And there are very many ways in which Satan attacks us. Very many ways. And uh majority of these ways are so subtle we wouldn't even know. And this is exactly what, what why Paul said, you know, so that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. So in talking about the devil's schemes... Um, you know, the wiles of the devil, we've been looking at different areas and uh, for a while now I have been talking of depression. Depression is one of Satan's schemes to destabilize the Christian and, and destroy any believer's testimony. Now we know that in the book of Revelation, talking about the saints who have passed through this world um, before us, you know, in Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, They overcame him. This is the same battle with the enemy. It says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Every Christian must be prepared to lay down his life, his or her life, for the gospel. Yes, every Christian must be willing to lay down his or her life for Christ. In the same way that Christ laid his life, laid down his life for us. However, we, we cannot equate both uh, sacrifices, because Christ's atonement was the only acceptable atonement for our sins. The, so, as such, because of that, we have passed from death to life, and from condemnation to acceptance by God the Father. So now we are sons of God, and so we will. We will have to make sacrifices. We will have to make sacrifices in our lives. No sacrifice we can make will ever be as great as that made by our Lord. But we are called to make sacrifices. And primarily, we have to give up our affection for the world. We simply have to give up our affection for all things worldly. We have to sever our ties with the world. Now, I'm not saying live a, you know, a reclusive lifestyle and you know, don't talk to people and don't mix with people and don't make friends. That would be stupid. Like Paul said in Corinthians, he said, I'm not telling you not to mix with um, the sexually immoral and the impure of this world. He said, if that is the case, you'd have to leave the world. But he said, I'm telling you to you know, resist one who says he's a brother who is impure and sexually immoral. So you see, we will have to necessarily leave the world if we want to keep ourselves so perfect that we do not mix with sinners. We have to. If we don't mix with sinners, how then will we be able to make the uh, tell them the good news of Christ? 
how can we divulge the message of the gospel if we do not mix with people? If we're only going to walk amongst the saved and uh, live among the sa- saved and only interact with the saved, then we deceive ourselves, you know, because our Lord himself did not walk amongst the self-righteous and the perfect and good people of the world. At least so they thought they were. You know, he mixed with, with those people who needed the mercy of God, who believed the need of the mercy of God, those people who needed the salvation of God, and this is exactly how we're supposed to be. But then, of what use is a depressed Christian? Because now we've been talking of depression. A depressed Christian has no testimonies. That's not testimony for Christ. That's not testimony for Christ because it um, contradicts depression. Contradicts the gift of joy which we receive from our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see. Uh, in the early centuries, for quite a few centuries after the birth of the church, there are many Christians who give give up their lives, and I mean physically, because of the gospel, because of Christ, because they were told, you know, the, the, these people during the Roman Empire in those days, they um, they were arrested and tortured and punished, and you know. And they were told to offer sacrifices to pagan gods and renounce the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these people refused to. And they were killed in the most horrific manner. You know, in very many ways, sometimes uh, an entire family will be killed and tortured one at a time so the others could see and quickly, you know, withdraw. But they did not. They stood firm against the violent wiles of the devil because obviously the authorities in position at the time in power who were doing all those things to them were led by satan incited by satan controlled by satan but these christians stood firm and the joy of the lord that was in them was what kept them going that was their strength the joy of the lord that was in them because you know a lot of uh, in some instances the executioners actually gave their lives to Christ at the point of having to kill those Christians. They would refuse to. Saying these people, what they have must be so true. What they have must be so valuable. If these people are willing to, having tortured them so much, and now we're threatening them with with beheading, and if they're still willing to die for this salvation they say they have received, then it must be worth it. And a lot of the soldiers that were meant to execute them also gave their lives and chose to be killed with the Christians. Amazing, isn't it? It's not fiction. It happened. It absolutely happened. Such is the level of faithfulness that a believer ought to have to the Lord and before the world. The people were so filled with joy that it was was just too much for the peoples of the world, the unbelievers around them, to 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 fathom it. You know, the, the the joy was indescribable that many chose to die with them because of the fate they had, than stand on the side of the government, execute them, and end up in hell. They thought these people, what they have, must be worth the trouble. Now, when people look at you as a Christian, do they see the same? Do people see the same? As a believer, you, you you have Christ. We are supposed to be peace-filled and joy-filled. Because our Lord, He gave us, he, he gifted us. Part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And if we look in John chapter 15, verse 9, uh, verse 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Is your joy complete? If you're a believer. Now, if you're a non-believer, I'm not surprised. I will not be surprised if you have no joy. As a matter of fact, non-believers do not have joy. They have happiness. And everybody, we all have happiness. We all go through moments of happiness and moments of sadness. Yes, the seasons come and go in everybody's life. There are certain things that would happen to us now that make us feel happy. But then when that thing, the particular thing that makes us happy, stops or is taken away, you know, we're back where we were. But the joy of the Lord is one that is with you no matter what. Under any circumstance, under every circumstance, whether good times or bad times, tough times or easy times. I um, I had a young man come to my door two, two days ago and showed me his ID card and said he was from the census office and said, oh, did you receive the letter we sent to you? Because your family has been chosen as um, one of the families in the country to help us with our survey. So I said, oh, well, I did get the letter. Apologies, actually. I didn't read it because I just thought it was a letter just telling us the census was over or something. I said, no, no, actually, we're asking you to please participate. So I said, okay, do come in. And we began to, I started to answer all these questions. I don't usually do surveys. I find them so tedious and boring. But this guy, I just liked him. So I thought, okay, come in then. And um, for two hours, he was asking me all kinds of questions about things, my work, my children, everything, my family. And then he got to the point and said, um, okay, this is part of the government's questionnaire. Are you happy? I said, absolutely. He said, okay, um, on a scale of, um, he said, were you happy yesterday? I said, absolutely. And he said, on a scale of zero to ten, how happy would you say you are today? I said on a scale of 0 to 10, he said, yes, 0 being none, not at all, and 10 being extremely. I said, have you got 20 on your scale? And he laughed. (laughs) I said, because if that is the case, then I'm a 20. He said, okay. He said, what about yesterday on a scale of not to 10? I said, well, same thing. Yesterday I was a 20 as well. Tomorrow I'll be a 20. In a month's time, I'll still be a 20. So he laughed, said, okay. I said, oh, by the way. Put a note on there, tell your government that I'm not happy and uh, as a result of anything they are doing or not doing. In fact, if I had to consider what the government is doing, I'd be very annoyed. <laughs> I said, however, <laughs> I am happy, not because of what they do, but because of what I have. And he said, what have you got? I said, I've got Christ. So I've got everything. So you see, you cannot scale my happiness on, a, on your scale of not to 10 which the government has written on their form, because my happiness level is a 20, because it supersedes happiness. It's called joy. So I said, he said, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen, I've never had this expressed this way before. I said, well, that's that's the way it is. So, I mean, I've broken your scale because you go as far as 10, but I'm at 20 because I've got joy, which is far more than happiness. So he said, hmm, and that's because you're a Christian. I said, absolutely. So I said, are you, I mean, do you have a faith? Do you practice any faith? He said, oh, I think I'm a Christian. I said, no, my son, you cannot think you're a Christian. You're either a Christian or you're not. He said, oh, well, you know, my my parents were Christians in a way. You know, they, they didn't go to church or anything. But um, and, and my family are like that. So um, I, I think I'm a Christian. I said, no, you cannot think you're a Christian. You're not a Christian. He said, well, so what makes a Christian then? And um, 
our conversation moved from the censors <laughs> into the Christian faith. And I said, you need to know, you have to have received the message of the gospel. You need to have embraced it. You need to actually decide you you want to follow Christ because you appreciate you're a sinner, you've been forgiven. I said, and you know, you start to walk with Christ. You, you engross yourself in studying scripture because that's where all the nuggets, all the gold nuggets you're going to need in life. Every secret will be laid bare before you. Everything's just going to be fantastic when you live. Read the word of God. Believe it and live by it. That is when you have that joy that breaks the scale of any earthly measure for happiness. And it's amazing because, I mean, we spoke and we spoke uh, about the Bible and said, uh, can I contact you? Can I be talking to you? Can I come to church? So absolutely, yes. You know, so he took all the details from me and... um even bought one of the books I'd written because we were talking about a lot of things, you know. We was there. I ended up being here for over three hours. And we did the survey. We completed the survey. But um, more than anything else, um, as a servant of Christ, I thank God that I had the opportunity to turn the conversation around from just a regular survey, one in so many millions of survey, to something more worthwhile for the young man, which I pray to God he will be able to... um, dwell upon and bring him I'm hoping it will all bring him that encounter with me will bring him to a true encounter with Christ Jesus however that is evidence of joy for you just one evidence from me I'm sure other believers have got all kinds of fantastic experiences like that to share but then we have some depressed Christians and I want to finish up this issue of depression today because this is the third um, lecture on depression that I've talked about you need to understand that depression is Satan's weapon against you to weaken you when the for, for as a believer the joy of the Lord is meant to be your strength Knowing that no matter what transpires in this world, no matter what circumstance you're going through or encountering or living in, it doesn't matter because you are at peace with God, because you are a child of God, you're reconciled with God. You know that this life, like Paul the Apostle put it, that our temporary affliction in this life is not to be compared to the joy that will be revealed in us. When the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed. That the joy that we will have. Our eternal blessing and glory. Nothing in this world can match it. No amount of, of fame. Or fortune. No amount of greatness. Or, 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 or reputation. Or money. Wealth. Nothing. They will all pass with use. They will all pass with this age. They will all pass with this life. They will pass with this life. And the trouble is. None of us knows how long each of our lives is going to last. So are we then not better off seeking that which is eternal? Are we that, and that is the Christian teaching. We're supposed to set our hearts on eternity, not this world. We all love this world. Yeah, we all did at one point anyway. You know, so much so. I mean, I delight in the works of God. I see the earth and I see it as the works of God. But I'm very, dis- I'm very uh, distressed about the way the state it's in. Look at the state it's in. Look at the evil. Look at the wickedness. Look at the breakdown of family life. Look at the breakdown of human relationships. Just look at it. Look at the whole mess. Because we chose to do it our way. Because we're very clever people. We can go to the moon now. We're very clever people. We look, look, look how we've invented airplanes and everything. On the television. All technology. Computers. We're very clever. We don't need God. No. Because we are reasoning create animals. Well. 
at least what the scientists believe, that human beings are nothing but reasoning animals, and that's why they're behaving like animals, in all the wickedness and all the evil, all the savagery and all the all the malice and terrible, terrible evil that men do when they're outside of Christ Jesus. Yes, they do indeed behave like animals. But those of us who know the Lord know that we are created in God's image and likeness, and we're supposed to carry ourselves in that manner. We are not equal with animals. We're not even close. We're not related by any means. Animals don't have souls. We have. Animals don't have spirits. We have. Animals cannot communicate with God. We can in worship. So it's it's different. God, he imparted his nature unto us so that we may bring him glory. And when we live and abide by the words of God, we abide in Christ Jesus, we will, our lives will bring glory to God. In everything we bring glory to God. By our testimony will bring glory to God. But if you are depressed, and what would cause depression for a believer? Depression in a believer's life, you know, comes about as a result of worldly worries, fueled by Satan, through unbelief. Because if you have believed, this is not possible for anyone who understands and believes the purpose of Christ's incarnation, the message of the gospel, gospel is good news. There is no one who has received that good news who has caused to be depressed in this world. What is there to depress you? You have got eternity. You have been forgiven forever. No matter what you do, you will always find forgiveness. We have been forgiven. We are being forgiven. We will be forgiven. You have peace with God. You know that doesn't matter how many days you have in this world, you're going to spend eternity in the presence of the Almighty. When He will renew all things. God did it before, destroyed the earth and its, and its inhabitants, everything in the earth. It was his earth. He could do whatever he wanted with it. And in the same way, he still is. He can do whatever he chooses with it. And he has said what he's going to do. He has not hidden his plans from us. Yet, those of us who belong to Christ, he has said to us, don't you worry about it because I'm going to renew all things for your sake. I'm going to restore the perfection and the righteousness that I created in the first place for you. You will live there for all eternity. You will not die. I will not condemn you. I will not judge you. You have found favor with me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And it doesn't matter what happens in this, in this world to you. I will always be with you. And even at the point of death when you were taken away from this world, either because I called you back or either because you were struck down by the wicked, it will not matter. That's why Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who can kill the flesh and after that do nothing else. But be afraid of the one who, having killed the flesh, can also destroy the soul in hell. So it doesn't matter. And that's the true testimony of a, of, of, of a Christian. That's why many Christians over the centuries, until this day, are laying down their lives for, 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 for the name of Christ and for the gospel of Christ. The 38-year-old pastor recently in the northern part of Nigeria, where it's constantly chaotic because the Muslims there, uh, fundamentalists, who are determined to wipe out every infidel, they say. And anyway, so recently, just about three weeks ago, this young pastor was 38 years old, had a family of four children and a wife. His wife and three children were slaughtered, were killed, brutally hacked down. In the middle of the night, these Muslim guys always attack in the northern, northern Nigeria. In the middle of the night, they catch people unawares when they're sleeping. 
This pastor managed to escape with one seven-year-old child, his wife, and three other children were killed, including an 11-month-old baby. And he was interviewed, and you know what he said? He said, I forgive the people who, who, killed, who destroyed my family. I forgive them because I trust the message of the Lord, and I thank God that in, in accordance with his word, in accordance with his promise, my wife and my children are in now in the presence of God. They're in the presence of God. They're away from the hassles and the evil of this world. So I forgive them. It doesn't matter. And I will continue to serve. In this place I'm at, he was not willing to escape or run away or flee. He is still serving there. He put his sorrow behind him. Why? Because he was filled with the joy of the Lord. Because he trusts the Lord. I was very humbled when I read that. I was very humble. That is a true servant of God, not the lunatics who parade themselves all over stages in the trendiest arenas here. No, they're designer-clad outfit and jewelry, boasting about what they have and what uh, and what they, they they haven't, and and how many jets they've got, and how many how many Rolls Royces they drive, telling you they're men of God. You won't find the likes of them in any dangerous regions in the world. You will not find them there. They are not the type who lays down their life for Christ, let alone for the flock, let alone for for Christ. They are the type who rob the flock to enrich themselves. It's not everybody who shows up and claims they're a servant of God that is a servant of God. So, we have those people. This is the testimony. How attached are you? So, any, any Christian who, who is depressed is depressed because of unbelief. And unbelief is a sin before God. Because nothing, nothing at all, should be more more worthwhile to you than 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 the salvation you have received through Christ Jesus. Nothing else in all life should mean anything to you. Nothing else at all in all life should have any any greater value to you. Nothing at all. That's why Jesus said, he said, you know, one of his parables where he said uh, the kingdom of God is like a man who's going out um, seeking treasure. But while he was going, he saw one, just one treasure of inestimable value. And he gave up all the others, everything else he had for just that one. That is exactly how it is. That's Jesus said, the kingdom of God. And that is what it is. We all around this world chasing things and looking for things and wanting this and wanting that and wanting to own this because that's the standard the world has laid for us. If you're not rich, the world doesn't reckon with you. If you're not famous, the world doesn't reckon with you. The world tells you and dictates to you. You're supposed to have an excess. You're supposed to have an abundance. You're supposed to have a mansion. You're supposed to live in great big houses. You're supposed to have so much wealth. You're supposed to have many cars. You're supposed to drive the very latest registration of cars every year. You're supposed to to, to have a, a fantastic marriage, a fantastic marriage with perfect children. You're supposed to look better than you look now. You're supposed to, if you you're black you're supposed to have lighter skin and if you're you know if you're white you're supposed to have darker skin your hair is supposed to be very long you're supposed to wear extensions your eyelashes to be very much longer than they are the world dictates why we should look what you should eat what you should wear you should wear the latest gucci watch you're supposed to wear the latest designer jeans the world tells you all that and you believe it so you're running after the world and you're trying to get all those things well you know the amazing thing you're never going to get all those things <laughs> because every time you think you're almost there, Satan will raise the bar. Just to keep you chasing. Just to keep you discontent and dissatisfied. Just to keep you distrusting 
in God. The people of the world will live like that. They don't know any better. But you, who say you know Christ? What is your business in that rat race? It is indeed a race for rats. What's your business with that rat race? We're supposed to look back. We have been given the greatest treasure of all. We have received the highest calling. The highest calling for me is not to be made the president of a country, of the queen, or any of any nation, or prime minister, or whatever other interesting titles, or a celebrity, or a star. That's not the highest calling. Those sort of callings die with the world. They perish with use. The highest calling is that of a princess, of, of heaven, of the heavenly kingdom. The only kingdom that's going to last forever. Jesus said, you are co-heirs with me. Why? Because we are now children of the Most High God. That's the highest calling. Even if I were a daughter of the Queen of England, she's going to die one day, and so will I, from this world, and that's going to be the end of that. People might remember my name. Yeah, so what? Of what impact is that going to be? But then, God Almighty, who is my Father, He will never die. We all have earthly parents who will die. I'm a parent to my children. I will die from this world. We are going to, you know, we're going through that process. It's inevitable. But then we have one Father who will never leave us and never forsake us, and that's God Almighty. We have one Savior who will forever remain our Lord, our Master, our God, our everything, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are from eternity to eternity. They will always be there, and they have promised us a place with them in eternity, that we will always be with them also. So what is there to depress you? What can what what is there to depress you? You are only depressed because you have disbelieved the message of the gospel. That's all. That's that's the only reason I can find why a, a Christian will be depressed, because I find it hard to believe. You'd rather have your reward now, but you know what Jesus said: if you have a reward now in the world, you have no reward for eternity. Now, say you get the reward today and you die tomorrow, then of what use is that? A depressed Christian is no testimony for the glory of God. It's no testimony for the name of Christ. You have no reason. You're so unattractive even to the world. Because you're full of depression, you're sad, you're miserable all the time. People don't want to be in the presence of any miserable person. I don't like being in the presence of miserable people. I haven't said in church sometimes, like some people, you know, when we, maybe when we're singing and things, and people are just going with the floor. I tell them, listen, this is not a place where you just come and practice religion. And just go with the flow. Okay, we're singing a hymn now. Yeah. When we have time to praise, you praise. When, when they say hallelujah, you say hallelujah. You're standing there like a robot. Look, you are going to bring down the mood. Looking at you, I, I tell them. In fact, last Sunday I said it to some people. I said, I can see some long faces. I don't know what you've got on your mind. But when you're the presence of God, you better understand where you are. And if you don't think you've got good reason to praise God joyfully, please leave. Because every time I look in your direction, you're almost bringing me down. Absolutely. How much more the world? Oh, they're going to look at you and think, well, if that was your, you're a Christian, aren't you? If that's what your Christianity does for you, you're so miserable and depressed all the time, moaning and grumbling and complaining. You never have enough of anything. You're not happy in the state you are. You're not happy with anything around you. I say, well, if that is, I don't want to. I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. Do you blame them? Would you blame them? Of course not. But a true believer, 
a faithful Christian is one who practices godliness, godliness with contentment. doesn't matter whether you're married or single, whether you've got children or not, whether you've got money or not, whether you're employed or unemployed, whether you're fed or hungry. Like Paul the Apostle said, I have learned to be content in every and any situation, whether in plenty or in lack. Hungry or well-fed. That is the joy of the believer. The testimony we have. The message of the gospel. The truth of God. And the amazing thing is, you know what? God never actually forsakes his own. And never denies us anything that we need. He gives us all that we need. But the sense of greed and lust that that, that um, has overtaken many is what makes people miserable. Because they think, I ought to have more than I have. You don't look at your own self and glorify God. Saying, I'm, I've eaten today. doesn't matter what you've eaten. The fact is you've eaten food. I've got shelter over my head. doesn't matter that it's not a mansion. It's one room. The fact is you did not sleep out in the streets. Some people are like that. You've eaten food. Some people are hungry. You're married. Some people are single. You've got children who are troublesome. Some have none. Whatever it is, be thankful to God. He alone can perfect our situation. But when you're busy looking at what the world is telling you you're supposed to have and where the world is telling you you're supposed to be, the world will only lead you to destruction. The world will only lead you to destruction. And that is why you will be depressed. And depression, unfortunately, can lead into very many other evils. Leads people to spiritism. Leads people to join up with cults and things. It leads people onto all the sort of dreadful circumstances that actually destroy people. That's why the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of people. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's what depression will do to you. Lead you into temptation. Lead you into situations you shouldn't find yourselves in. Lead you into compromise. If you truly love Christ, then you must abide in his word. Simple. He says it. If you are my servant, you will obey me. If you truly love me, you will obey my teachings. He who does not obey me does not love me. It's that simple. It is that simple. The joy of the Lord is the strength of every true believer. Depression should not have a place in your life. It is Satan's weapon against you to destroy your testimony. You cannot afford to give in to him. Uphold the name of Christ. Uphold the truth of Christ in glory. And you will be rewarded.